I always listened to Gary V. Yes. Uh, when he would say things like, if you're, you know, you don't know if you're whether, whether you should post something or not, just post it. Yeah. And I am a firm believer that that is 100% true because <laughs> uh, if you don't set your mind to, okay, I got to do this right now or yeah. do it tomorrow or whatever, schedule something. You're never going to get it done. Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. I have my good friend here. How's it going, man? Happy to be back. No, it shouldn't be about anything. Like, this is yeah. one life. Yep. One life? Like, fucking yeah. do it. My guy. But he just got it. He totally understood it. 20 years old when I started just watching a lot of movies. How it, and it tells a story. I want to tell a story. talented visual artist and educator, Stefano Bove. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Daniel, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you so much for asking. Stefano, the reason why I have a big smile on my face is I'm honored to have you back on the podcast. You were one of my first guests uh, that took a chance on me when I initiated this creative venture. And I'm so happy uh, to be back here. I think it's almost uh, or over two years later. Has it been that long? It's been, yeah. I think it was just the end of 2020 when I started it. Uh, with my friend, I had headphones. I was sitting on like that couch back there. It was I was using like my laptop webcam. <laughs> the quality was, was definitely uh, not as good as it is now. Um, we're always looking for ways to improve as creatives, as they say. But uh, definitely uh, have seen you know uh, the fruits of it uh, in the two years, mostly uh, on the fact that I've been able to enlighten and educate uh, creatives, uh, provide insight from other creatives like yourself on their journeys and experiences. So it's really, uh, truly a pleasure to, to be speaking with you again. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have been following, obviously, your podcast since the very beginning, and I was excited to, uh, to have the conversation with you two years ago. I'm more excited to have the conversation today. And, uh, yeah, we've been growing together uh, really for the last few years. 100%. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've been keeping in touch. Um, you know, I, I've noticed, again, your remarkable work. Uh, which we'll discuss more of it uh, on this podcast because we, like I said before, there's been notable progress for both of our careers uh, since our last conversation, and it's admirable to see um, that you're continuing to grow with your relentless dedication towards the arts, right? And like I, yeah, and like I've introduced you on the podcast, uh, you're an educator, and so much has changed, right? In two years, um, I'm sure you were always educating people, but now this is kind of like the forefront, as you were explaining to me before the podcast of your career. Uh, something that you're narrowing in, you're focusing. Uh, and I think that's so noble, so uplifting to hear, because uh, that's something I aspire to as a filmmaker one day, uh, when I'm more established, when I have that credibility to my name, uh, to create uh, an institution or uh, some sort of safe space, uh, may, maybe be at this podcast, if you will, that creatives uh, can come on unknown and famous <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and share their, their experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I um, absolutely agree with that. And I, I, I've always been the type of artist that, um, and I think a lot of people are the similar where they can talk up a storm about somebody else, uh, but they, you know, are very timid about talking about their own work. Absolutely. And I think a lot of artists are like that. Uh, I myself and definitely like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I, I actually take a lot of pride in, uh, in showcasing other people's work. And I, I and it, it, it it's uplifting to, for me to say that I've helped a lot of artists grow and showcase for their first time, second time, whatever the case is. Um, but definitely it has been, um, it has 
branched off in both of my artistic uh, careers, which is my, my own visual art career and my uh, first reviews career uh, as right. a uh, film critic. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they're not so different when you think about them because I am here talking about and showcasing other people's work, whether it's 100%. art or film. And that's what I've noticed. I'm so happy you've identified your own patterns within your career uh, professionally. For myself, uh, every time I speak, you know, I was having a conversation the other day and I was in an opportune situation where they were asking me about who I am <laughs> and, you know, what's my why and why I started uh, my career and things like that. And the, the gentleman identified uh, you're a storyteller, like everything you like, your hobbies, um, your passion, the whole reason why you started this business, 94 Productions, um, everything ties into that. You know what I mean? Like my artworks that I've sketched uh, over the pandemic, for instance, something as little as that all ties into my love of storytelling from a different medium, right? Anime. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, it, all, it all comes back to what your deepest desires, you know what I mean? Like your passions in life. And I'm so happy. I'm so privileged. Uh, to be able to explore them as I'm sure you are, right? Um, because so many of us uh, either don't have the chance, the opportunity, um, maybe the circumstance. Um, and for sometimes, let's be honest, there are people that are just suffering with a lot of self-esteem issues. Um, those ones for me uh, hit hard because I know what it's like, you know, to, to be fearful of putting your stuff out there, um, to maybe be judged by family, to pursue your dreams. But at the same time, like you have to go for it, especially if you are in a privileged circumstance uh, like we are, you know, if you have an internet connection, if, if you're living in a first world country, there's, there should be no one stopping you, especially if in your, in your 20s, like that's your stomping ground, as I always say, like this is the time to make mistakes, get, get hurt and get back up. God knows I've been through it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just got to say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I started off, uh, I mean, this is like dating me, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in my 20s, I'm in my 30s now. Right. Um, and I, when I started off saying, when I told myself I am going to make the jump, you know, and finally pursue my artistic career, uh, that predated like our, our, our social media boom. Um, that was now over what that was like eight, eight years, eight, yeah. eight years ago or something like that. You're like, saying when Instagram. you, when yeah, yeah, when you made the decision to pursue the arts, you're saying you didn't even have, it's not like you could go on Instagram, and start posting your artworks. Like Instagram wasn't, none of the social media platforms when I said I was going to make the jump right. were the business designed social media platforms that they are today. Right. Instagram was only take a picture and post it. There wasn't, there were no stories. There was no promotion. There was no swipe up to check out my, my website and all of that stuff. Additional the features. business model of social media didn't exist. Right. So, um, as an artist to grow, it was still a very much so word of mouth. Now yeah. I would say word of mouth is about 60%, 70%. And then the other 30% is social media, which definitely helps, yes. um, exposure, meeting other people, meeting other artists, meeting other like-minded individuals. Um, you know, when I, do, when I go out and I do, uh, like live painting or live painting events or art battles or whatever the case right. is. Um, I'm meeting people and I'm, I'm constantly exposing myself to, to a new audiences and, uh, and that's because of social media, right? Well, yeah, well, what I admire a lot about yourself and actually I take inspiration for this, um, cause I like to relate to my guests is you're not just looking at social media at face value and just saying, okay, I'm going to post my artworks. Cause there's a lot of artists that let, that's do that, that does that, uh, let's say, right. You have a creative approach where you do artworks, you do commissions, you go to, like you said, art battles, you're an educator. 
it's finding ways to create content and get your your name, your brand known uh, in the industry. And and the reason why I'm I'm speaking about this is I'm hearkening it back to myself, my own experiences as a filmmaker. It was very challenging, as we know, with films and filmmaking itself to constantly make films for the sake of content right like it's just it's, it's not fathomable um it's just something that that i can't do because by the time i assemble a crew and everything like that i just can't be making a film every month um I, i've done it in yeah i've done it in other in other aspects but as i grow as a storyteller like in order to make a quality piece of film like with with dialogue and care and, and actors right um, you can only do it for so long where you're making it out on your iPhone, right? But what I'm saying is that this is the creative approach where I started to say, how can I best put out content consistently, right? At the rate of, let's say, Stefano. And this is how the podcast was born, right? It's like having conversations, again, going back to storytelling, because this is all a story, right? When, you, when you're about to start right. speaking, you're unfolding your story, who you are, what your experiences have been like, and how they've changed you to, to make you the person you are today. That to me is captivating. That inspires people, right? And that brings them back to me. And me is the filmmaker, the director, the guy that has the dream, the guy that wants to carve his own path. So it all goes back like, you know, um, full circle. Um, and it's something that uh, we should definitely, as all creatives, like look at as an advantage, right? Um, this is what I mean by like, if you're in those privileged circumstances, first world country, internet connection, such like that, you know, take advantage of it, put yourself out there. Um, I know it's going to be daunting, but it's worth it in the end, because there's someone out there, if you're truly talented, that will recognize it. And give you uh, a positive sense of feedback. Yeah, I I agree with every, with everything you said, and <laughs> uh, I do. I yeah, I, I if you have some sort of creative passion and you are um, you know shy or timid or uh, don't want to show your work uh, to anybody, putting it on social media for the most part um, is very positive. Mm -hmm. um, at least my experience, for sure. Uh, most people are pretty positive with seeing work. Uh, motivating, uh, at least Instagram and, and Facebook for the most part are, are, are very positive platforms where you'll get a lot of uh, inspiration and uh, it'll help you grow. Yeah, a lot of like-minded individuals for, for sure. But something I want to add as well is um, I'm a firm believer is, you know, get it over with as in put yourself out there, see, see where it ends up. Um, you know, if you get the feedback, like give it a year, what I'm saying, right? Give it two years. And if you're not getting the sense of feedback from your outside of your community, right, it's very important that your high school friends aren't the only ones commenting. You have to really see if you have a shot at this. Um, then you can assess, right, the longevity of this career. But to just say, oh, like they won't like it and not post anything, because I'm not kidding you, Steph. Like there's um, so many artists I've come across in my journey, whether, whether it was a potential collab, a follow, this like that, didn't work out for the sole reason of they just didn't want to put their work out. And I'm saying, you don't even have anything to start. Like yeah. there's nothing. And I'm like, how do you even know? Like for me, I have a good judgment of where I am, where, where my place in the in the market in the industry. But I would have never have known that if I didn't put out my first film or my first post. You know what I mean? So um, you gotta you gotta start somewhere. You gotta put it out there. And I'm only speaking to those that know in their hearts they're not doing something they love that have that creative itch and you want to scratch it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I am I I plan my weeks um, in a certain way, um, awesome. especially dealing with so many different, uh, different types of work, um, of course, yeah. whether I'm, you know, live painting somewhere or, uh, I'm, I'm writing a film review for uh, a movie that I'm, um, I'm giving a screener for. So having so many different jobs, you have to balance them accordingly. And, uh, when it comes to what you are promoting on social media or not, or what you're posting on social media, uh, it definitely comes with, uh, like 
I always listen. I always listen to Gary V. Yes. Uh, when he would say things like, "If you're, you know, you don't know if you're whether, whether you should post something or not, just post it." Yeah. And I am a firm believer that that is one hundred percent true because <laughs> uh, if you don't set your mind to, okay, I got to do this right now or yeah. do it tomorrow or whatever, schedule something. You're never going to get it done. And a perfect example of that is our first reviews podcast, which we right. just recently started uh, just last month. Nice. And the, that podcast was something that myself and the team have been discussing for months now. <laughs> and, and it was always, guys, let's, you know, we, we're, we've been talking about this. We got to get it done. We got to get it started. And it's not until you get the ball rolling that, you know, you dip your feet in it. And then it's like, oh, actually this is, you know, something that we're going to be doing consistently. And we knew from the beginning that it would be something consistent, but it, it just took all of us to finally set a date to say, Hey guys, let's, let's finally, let's right. film an episode. Let's get this done. And it was, and, and, you know, since then we've been filming an episode consistently uh, every two weeks and, but yes. it took months to film yeah. that first episode. Yeah. And it, that just, that's just procrastination on, on yeah. my part, on everyone else's part, uh, you know, to finally say, let's just do it. Yeah. No, procrastination is a killer. And uh, I'm so happy that you guys uh, committed yourselves because what a valuable piece of content. Like, I didn't even think of that for your, for uh, first reviews. I, I thought you guys were doing it yourselves um, already, but yes, get it out there, get that content out there just to hear a back and forth conversation about how you, uh, your perceptions on the film and critiques. People love to hear that. Um, that's actually funny enough. I I'm glad you brought it up how I educated myself in film. I didn't go to film school. So YouTube, uh, what was my, um, destination, not so much for tutorials, but a lot of film reviewers like Chris Stockman, flick pick, um, nostalgia critic, um, and they made it entertaining and fun. Uh, Red Letter Media, I should mention as well. But they also made it um, insightful uh, and educational. I actually learned a lot uh, through their criticism um, how to make a strong, compelling story. Because then I start reflecting on why do I like a certain movie, right? Why is it resounding? Why does the public like it, you know? So I'm looking forward to that piece of content. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I'm so proud of you guys for committing <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to putting it. Yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, I know for sure, man. I'm really happy. And, and I know you're a very ambitious individual. So uh, it's no surprise there. Um, you know, and speaking of all these projects, you know, uh, you've been developing. Um, I'm curious, what other projects have you been developing or been uh, recently commissioned? So my main focus right now uh, on my personal artistic side mm -hmm. is um, mostly gallery shows. Um, okay. Working on my own. Finally, after a few years, I haven't done my own solo show in a while. Uh, I'm putting together my own solo show, which uh, most likely will be towards the end of 2023. Right. Uh, and um, my uh, my other artistic uh, side is uh, curating other gallery shows, which I uh, do a quarterly gallery show. Actually, the, the last quarter was the first one and the call for submission just finished for the second one, which mm. is the Vaughn Film Festival Creative Bubble. Uh, their their creative space uh, and rotating artwork uh, every quarter. So and and uh, we're mostly going to be doing photography, photography shows. And right. uh, the second show, which will be the work, will be going up in the next week or so. Yes, it is um, black and white, black and white photography. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So awesome. that's my uh, current one, and there will be a show there every quarter. Um, ongoing and working with the studios at assembly park 
uh, as well, uh, doing um, painting nights and gallery shows nice. and doing my own uh, paint nights and my own gallery shows. Just basically that's where my artistic career has gone in the last few years. Right. Instead of doing your own kind of like, I'm sure you still do your own artworks, but you're saying instead of primarily focusing on that, you're now extending it to how do I help other creatives? Um, exactly. And yeah. And expand my brand in, in, in another uh, usage. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. How has this, the, these new creative ventures, um, these endeavors uh, benefited your career? Um, how have you find that? Uh, it, it has benefited my career in uh, in a few ways, not necessarily like monetary Right. Uh, because I'm not selling my own work, mm -hmm. but it, it has allowed me to connect with basically the whole artistic community. And uh, now putting on photography shows as well. I'm, I'm now uh, meeting uh, a whole new um, set of artists, which are photographers awesome. uh, and uh, you know, still doing, you know, uh, visual art gallery shows. I've been doing those consistently for the last, uh, at least one to two a year for the last five or six years. So my inner circle of artists is fairly large. Mm. Um, I know a lot of artists. I've met a ton of artists. Uh, I've collaborated with a lot of artists over the years. That's awesome. Uh, whether it's with murals, whether it's with gallery shows, whatever the case is. Um, I've, I'm proud. I'm proud that I've made, I, like, I have a massive network of artists from different genres and different subject matters in art all over the city. That's great. Yeah. And this is what I mean by like, uh, how much you, you've uh, inspired me, right? It's, uh, you're not just looking at, okay, I'm going to do a piece of artwork and post it, right? Or hope to <laughs> hope to God someone sees it, or I might DM someone. It's, you know, going to these events, uh, creating this uh, hub where you're able to explore networking, right? Like, this is why I do the podcast. It's the amount of filmmakers and creatives I've met and then uh, actually collaborated with, and they've been involved in some of my projects. I still have existing friendships with them to this day. Um, you know, has been uh, endless. And, you know, I, I owe it to, uh, you know, taking that chance that that risk, like to going outside of um, my primary focus, my primary passion. And I love that for yourself. It's like, instead of just being at home, you know, doing artworks, listening to music, you're out there, right? You're at the art battles, uh, which is a great venue. Um, you're at the galleries, you're curating events. So um, that's great. Um, and that should be very inspiring to any other visual artists um, looking to enhance their career. Yeah. One of one other aspect of myself that yes. I've wanted to, um, you know, really enhance over the last few years is my communication skills and uh, right. podcasting, writing, uh, uh, critically writing for reviews, film reviews, being at events, social gatherings, yes. gallery shows, art battles, whatever the case is, curating my own events meeting tons of people every single day, every single week uh, has helped me personally connect with people, has helped develop my social skills. And I know that's where a lot of artists lack uh, because of the fact that, you know, they're very to themselves, very connected to their work. And there's, I've always felt that there's always been a disconnect between yes. artists and the general public. You know, mm -hmm. you walk into a gallery and you see a painting yeah. and you are supposed to, figure out based on the description what it is that the artist was feeling uh without maybe not even seeing it. if you don't go on an opening night of a gallery show you're not necessarily connecting with that artist so there's always been that disconnect and um 
you know, myself being at opening nights because I'm curating the shows and meeting other artists, I, I'm also able to describe other artists' work because I'm I have to know the pieces. Of course. Um, so it has helped me better myself and my communication skills um, choosing this particular path. That's awesome. Uh, and I love that you said that because I haven't been to a gallery in a long time, but um, oftentimes the artist isn't there or <laughs> you have to find them. And uh, the connection with the work and the artist is a huge uh, facet, right? Like you look at um, film, right? Imagine if there was no director to promote it, right? Like imagine Tarantino not existing. For me, that would be a huge void because you got this great piece of work and there is no one to match it with. Like I wouldn't know anything about the person. So it kind of like adds more value um, to know the artist behind it um, and, and providing that human interaction. Is that is that what you were getting on? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. great. Awesome. Yeah. So no, that's a, that's uh something highly valuable. A lot of people can take from it. Uh, but, you know, steering away now from the positives um, and all the benefits uh, that these uh, new explorations have granted you, I want to know now, like from the challenges, um, are you noticing any, noticing any challenges yourself as a entrepreneur, an artist, um, and how have you overcome them uh, while pursuing your craft? Challenges as an artist. Um, well, COVID definitely, uh, posed a um a big strain on the gallery industry and right. now things are starting to finally starting to come back over the last six months to a year but a lot of artists had to figure out ways to sell work uh on their own um display work on their own like even during COVID I did like online gallery shows and I still did it I still did gallery shows with with other artists with like 50, awesome, 20 artists and yep. did a virtual gallery virtual gallery um, and these are all things that like, so technology is obviously both helping and uh, hindering the artistic uh, uh, development with like, you know, AI and um, yeah, don't get now. me started. <laughs> so yeah. that's a whole other topic. Like, I've never been a fan, not to, not to crap on anyone's like uh, career, but like digital art is great and all, but I, I'm more fond of the individuals like yourself that can create something with their hands. Um, yeah exactly because it's native you know what i mean yeah like that's that's authentic that's like human um the human touch right it's just like an editing program that edits a movie like do you want an editing program or do you want a human being behind it that edited all edit it together right yeah yeah Yeah. exactly uh i mean all art forms you will always have that it's almost like it's never enough of course uh feeling so you have to personally overcome that right uh, and and be content with with what you have never really um you know look at another artist or whoever and say i want that and you know i'm you know be jealous of that yes. person so um i'm content with the artistic career that i've created as a you know commission artist um as a, a live painting artist um you know as an educator uh, I'm content uh, with with what I've created out of my career because it's uh, it it almost in some ways you almost can't even control it how yeah, things how things happen mm-hmm. you know it's no different than being a filmmaker you make you make a piece of you make a piece of filmmaking uh, a, a film a short yeah. film and then uh, someone picks it up and now you're making a feature and then someone else asks you to make something else. And you're almost like getting tugged and pulled and your career is being almost dictated by other people, whether you choose, whether you choose to, you know, direct or produce that film is totally up to you. But 
the options that you're given are almost not your decision in some cases. Yeah, at least no. at least starting off. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I know exactly what you mean, man. <laughs> you have the idea, you have you have the, the creative fortitude to to pursue it, but uh, then you're met with the obstacles. Some may say that they're more realistic, right? In the sense of like you got money, you got producers, you got a lot of people that they have to you have to answer to. Um, from my experience with that, it's uh, you just have to surround yourself with the surround yourself with the right individuals. Uh, it's hard harder said than done. Um, I'm proud of myself that over the years I've, I've kind of established a network, but, uh, it's still challenging, man. Like I've, I've been true. I've been around people that, uh, you know, just don't really share the same insights, um, same mindset. Um, and it bogs me down. Uh, and a lot of projects have fallen through, uh, either because of that or because of their own, um, dilemmas. So like you really have to sit situ- it's starting to be apparent why, like you have uh, Scorsese, like Shoemaker, I think that's her name, the Thelma the Thelma Shoemaker, the editor uh, for all his films, like she's been doing it for like 40 years. Um, when you're a kid and you're looking up like your favorite filmmakers and you see like the consistent editor, you say to yourself, oh, like, you know, that must have been, she must have been at a good rate or maybe she just yeah. understands him. And then you start to realize, no, I think it's a more of a personal level. Like not only is she talented, but they get each other. Yeah. Like I hear yeah. how this woman works. True. Like she understands Scorsese's vision. Like he doesn't have to sit with her and be like, he'll sit in, supervise, whatever. And I'm sure he's like part of the whole process through and through. But it's more like they get each other. So when I see that, I know it's possible. Like cinematographers, uh, I'm not, I don't know the names, but, you know, or music composers like Hans Zimmer, like working with Christopher Nolan repeatedly, they just understand each other's vision. So I see myself one day, you know, having, cultivating that network where the the critical players, if I, you know, director of photography, is he, if he understands my my directing abilities, my flow, my, my style of storytelling, because everyone's style of storytelling is different. Then I'm going to go with it because the hardest part as an aspiring upcoming filmmaker, right, to establish themselves is being a misunderstood. Um, you're only you're only going to become known uh, and famous or revered for what you do uh, once that person that's critical enough or the market says we get this guy. But until then, you're always trying to figure out you know what works and 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 how to make it work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to creative teams, uh, you do notice that a lot in. Uh, in the film industry, but even in all art, art, forms, in all art people, forms, yeah, for sure. People like to work with, uh, with, you know, who they know, uh, will collaborate well with them and who has a similar vision. Uh, the vision is important and, mm-hmm. uh, you do notice it in more, uh, in the, in the faster paced cinema world, like the MCU yes. where, uh, you don't necessarily have, uh, I actually would use the DC EU as a better example because right. they've actually, at least from what we've been told, they yes. they seem to have had more uh, creative differences uh, on screen um, in 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 particular films where they've had to change directors, change producers, change this, change that yes. all the time, consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the MCU, the only one that I can remember is Ant Man when. Uh, they changed directors from Edgar Wright. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Edgar Wright Huge had controversy uh, when that happened. <laughs> yeah. He's a big Ant-Man fan. He yeah. wanted the film done a certain way. He wrote a script. Yeah. Uh, but I think Marvel has, has started to uh, allow that creative freedom to flow a little bit more since then. I look at because... Taika Waititi, like not to interject, but I just wanted to mention this. Yeah. They had to revitalize Thor, uh, the franchise, because after two, it was kind of getting a little bit mellow. And they he comes in, he kill, does a stellar job, so much so that they contract him for the fourth one. 
without you yeah. know what I mean um and then some people will have their their opinions on that but yeah just to just to add to your point I wanted to mention yeah him as a director yeah and even with like Chloe Zhao with the with uh the Eternals, Eternals right she came yeah. in she pitched an Eternals film they said we love it let's do it right yeah yeah no, for sure. And, and a lot of these filmmakers, um, you'll notice a pattern, right? Like, and this is something I need to understand um, because I've been in situations, I don't know if you know, but like uh, there was an opportunity presented to me to direct a $2 million project and I was denied it because I don't have a feature film under my belt. Mm. So for me, what I'm saying is this is what I mean by until you make that, that mark, right? Um, until I make that first feature um, and, and not even the first feature, like until I make that film that resonates, I think um, that's when the career takes off, right? And we see it with all our favorite filmmakers, all the people that uh, have inspired us. Uh, they always say like when when the studio liked it or when the when it made a lot of money, <laughs> that's when I knew I could start making my own stories, right? So yeah. I, I just like, yeah, for me, like I often like question that, like I reflect on, you know, when that moment will be like in terms of uh, which stories I'll, I'll be able to tell because I've written already four feature length screenplays and so many, so much so I had to pivot because those are passion projects like I want to direct. But I'm always thinking in my head, like, which is the first one I get to actually like direct if I have that opportunity, right? Because you got to be ready. Yeah. Someone comes up to you, right? And says, yo, the, like, this guy's short films are amazing. Um, like, he's looking to expand. He's looking for funding. Like, what else do you got on the table, right? You got to be ready. <laughs> got to have a script exactly. available, right? You can't just be like, give me a month. I'm just going to write a 90 page script. It's like, no, I want to see something now. So I always, I, I've written those scripts, A, because I really wanted to tell those stories, like their passion projects since I was 17. But I also, um, want to be prepared right for for that exactly. opportunity when it arrives yeah so we were touching on earlier about uh creative teams um and more specifically this new creative enterprise you've established called first reviews um and it's with a close friend james i believe yeah and yeah, yeah. and i've had uh, the lovely opportunity of meeting him a uh, great guy uh very savvy with the industry you know uh, knows his stuff um and it's generated a remarkable following in the movie going and filmmaking community i have to say um, what has your experience been developing a brand focused more in the entertainment industry rather than the visual arts? So it, it, again, like my, like my, uh, artistic career, it has evolved in, on its own, but it, it. It, it has evolved in a, uh, based on aspects of the industry that I enjoy doing, enjoy, uh, one is writing. Uh, I enjoy writing, uh, yes. personal reasons, and that uh, developed into uh, critiquing films. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always been passionate about uh, interviews. For some reason, uh, I've always enjoyed watching interviews, yes. uh, cultivating interviews, coming up with my own questions. So the interview aspect of first reviews is something that I've been uh, really pushing myself over the last uh, couple of years. Okay. Um, and uh, that that is uh, the growing as well. Um, I was fortunate enough to interview uh, the Daniels uh, last year uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, oh, I, didn't that's amazing. Know, I didn't even know at the time, like I knew it was a, a massive uh, interview when I was uh, I right. watched the film. I was asked I was asked by Elevation Pictures if I wanted to uh, screen the film. The, the, the movie did not hit theaters for another couple of weeks. Really? Wow. Uh, at the this time, is because I, of first reviews, like they saw your, your presence on social media. Yeah. So, well, wow. since, since first reviews, we have, uh, we have, we've developed a lot of partnerships with, uh, either production companies or PR firms. So we do get a lot of screeners, a lot like, uh, we get early access to Netflix, wow. um, so if you if you actually if you pay attention to when our reviews come out, you actually right. notice that we 
the reviews actually do come out earlier than the films hit. So oh, we'll get okay. early access. Yeah, to that makes sense. Disney, we had Disney, Disney, Disney Plus, uh, early Netflix, early, uh, a lot of uh, um, local Toronto and Canadian production companies like VVS Films and uh, Elevation Pictures. Amazing. Uh, and we do work with a lot of other PR firms as well, which work with different production companies. So wow. sometimes it's kind of random, like, hey, we have this film. Do you want to screen it? Uh, you know, maybe there's a possibility for an interview. Uh, it all depends, really. Right. Um, so at the time, you know, this is I, I watched I watched everything everywhere all at once. I screened it yeah. like two weeks before the movie came out. Okay. And I knew I don't I knew that this movie was going to be huge. You had an intuition. I, <laughs> I just felt it. I'm like, yeah. I, this movie's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. I pushed so hard for an interview, and I got that interview. Uh, with the Daniels. Wow. And uh, I knew it was going to be huge at the time, but now looking back at it, that that was like one of the biggest things I did in 2022. And it's just, it keeps getting bigger. Like if these guys, you know, these guys are winning awards now. So um, they got the most Oscar nominations at at the Academy this this year, right? Uh, Exactly. I think 11, 11. they rocked in 11. So like who who would have known, right? As you said, like you knew it was going to be a hit, but you never know how how much uh, traction it would get. Yeah. And that's always my... uh, my go-to um, thought process when asked if I want to watch a movie, if I want to screen a movie, if I want to potentially, uh, you know, uh, um, interview any cast or crew, um, you know, I always walk in with that, you know, benefit of the doubt. But right. at the same time, you know, these are these are artists, these are creators, and the way you know, a visual artist is and a photographer or a photographer is trying to get their work out there. I look at it like that in the filmmaking perspective, you know, I'm doing my part to help this indie film, um, you know, potentially see an, a new audience and use yeah. my platform to spread that awareness for that film. And, um, and I've, I've done that. I've done that for, you know, short films, indie films, you know, we also promote the local local festivals like the Vaughn Film Festival that do like yes uh, that do short yeah. films. Yep. So we are kind of uh, very spread out between uh, you know short indie and big blockbusters. We're kind of spread out along. That's amazing. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the same model. Yeah, the same model you describe for first reviews is exactly what I aspire uh, to eventually execute with uh, Corner Talks. Right. It's to cover the little guy right the guy that's trying to make it like yeah the upcoming, exactly the, right uh the up-and-coming guy and then there's the big guys right and i always imagine them having them in the same place right and me moderating the, the conversation but yeah. um yeah very admirable like for sure uh first reviews check it out um i i enjoy uh that platform um that uh, creative outlet because uh, it gives me an insight onto filmmakers i've never would have been able to see right because blockbusters for the most part are well marketed but you don't really know about the indies, right? Like people like me, right? And who's to say like I create a film that resonates with you guys um, that gets put out there not to plug myself. But I'm just saying is like, that's how I think you guys structure. It's like a film that um, you identify with or that needs to get attention, right? It, it's a source for your community and who knows where it would take that to go from there. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, first reviews, you know, uh, home of a lot of uh, movie reviews uh, and television, anything media, I should say. And yeah, we do. We do a lot of television now as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So seeing you're an avid fan of the superhero genre and the influence they have on your creative projects, because um, I've I noticed a lot of artworks uh, derived from them. What are your thoughts on legendary filmmakers like Martin Scorsese deeming Marvel uh, movies not worthy enough to be called cinema? I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can not call them cinema. Okay. That's because I would never, I would never look at a painting and then say, that's not art. Right. Right. Um, mm -hmm. There are different ways to express yourself. There are, um, you know, because then you can, then how do you judge, how do you judge a short film, you know, and then versus sure. a, a feature, right? Those are technically two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, is it budget that you're talking about? Is it, uh, what is it that you're saying that is not cinema? Is it the, the production, the fast paced environment of the production? Is it the, uh, that it's not, I can see it from his perspective where he knows he has full control and yeah. on a big Marvel production, you don't necessarily have all the control. You, no. you're, you're a director, you, you're brought into this production as a director and you know, there, the wheel has already been turning for two years on this. Movie. You're not an auteur. Like you're, you're the guy they hired, yeah, you applied exactly. to the job. They hired, they paid you extremely well amount of money. You're this isn't something, script. yeah. You're this isn't something script. personal. Yeah. Here's the script. It's yeah. been written already. Yeah. Your job is to just direct it. Now, obviously there are, there are some, uh, you know, um, some variations to that. Not Marvel. I feel like over the last, at least for the last few years have steered away in that direction uh, you know, with, with like Sam Raimi writing, directing, uh, you know, his own movie and Taika Waititi giving his own style. So I think creatively they've gone back, they've reverted a little bit more backwards in their style. Um, probably just due to the fact that they've just now obviously have so much money that they're able to open up their production company and allow more time, uh, for these films to be done. But right. I think there was a certain point in the Marvel era where it was the ball was just rolling so quickly that um you know you would just throw a director in there and tell them to do this film in a year less than a year and then get out and then you you have no you have nothing in you have no involvement with the pre-production you have no involvement with the post-production no and you're out because you have to make like it becomes a self-automized automated business where like there there's needs uh, to be met uh, either with uh, directors, uh, like the board of directors, I should say, like like um, stakeholders or the public. Um, you know, when you have a, a, a slate of movies scheduled for all these dates, you got to fill them up, right? You don't have someone that's like me, let's say, that's coming in and saying, like, let me think about this. Like, how is this mm. character? It's like, no, no, no. Like, this is the script. Let's go. Um, I, my interpretation with this quote is uh, as harsh as it is, I, I can understand where Scorsese is coming from. The way I look at it is he's identifying cinema as movies that explore the human condition. Now, some might argue, well, these films, you know, have heart to them and there, there is an emotional core in some aspects to a certain degree. For me personally, like right up until I think Endgame um, and even just I'll, I'll even go as far as to say even before that. Yes, like Iron Man, um, Captain America, Winter Soldier, like those films, I would argue, would explore the human condition. Uh, but films like, you know, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, like that to me is like cinema as opposed to entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's a very hard exactly that it's, it's it's very hard to pinpoint what is cinema and what isn't but from the context of martin scorsese and seeing his you know masterful uh filmography of over 40 50 years i can understand you know you look at a movie like taxi driver and it's like that's how he sees cinema right it's yeah. like yeah. what goes on with human beings how they interpret the world how they perceive the world and that's why like i get goosebumps even thinking about like iron man right like the first iron man again it's not popcorn entertainment for me it's you know a man that created something that was catastrophic and how does he overcome that right but it explores like all these issues like um it was just recently registered into the national film registry for how remarkable it was um so there is a way in which to do a superhero movie like joker right joker yeah, to me is exactly. not you know what i mean popcorn entertainment joker to me yeah. is uh, a film about mental health and disturb the disturbing effects it can have on society slapped with the joker brand on it you know what i mean course, like that's course. like the human yep. condition like even the batman that came out with matthew reeves like matthew reeves uh uh portrayal of, of, of like uh how he conveyed that world i enjoy films maybe because i am a filmmaker so i take it more personal that there's like one man kind of behind there or like maybe a, a core small team um marvel has become like you know, I think bigger than what it initially anticipated um, to the point where I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Steph, like I'll watch films and look now and it's just like, they're great and all they're impactful, but they're not the same. They don't hit as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like second Black Panther. Amazing. Wakanda forever. I, I love the themes, you know, the, the yeah. recurring themes of, um, you know, oppression and racism and things like that. But the first one for me, the fact that, you know, uh, Michael B. Jordan, what he did with the villain and the fact that they tied in, you know, slavery on African-Americans with you know uh, Wakanda like they had those stop provoking uh messages that to me was like could be argued as that cinema right but to kind of just say like you know it's all cinema just because it's released in theaters it's a it's a bit of a stretch right so I understand I understand for sure both both sides of the spectrum but uh that, that those are my opinions for sure as a director um how how one could perceive it um Tarantino uh my boy my hero that guy has been also had opinions about uh, the movie industry. Uh, quite notably, I've been reading uh, cinema, cinema speculation, speculation on cinema. Uh, great book, phenomenal uh, insight on all the movies that inspired him and uh, all the takeaways he got from each one over the years uh, that made him the person that he is today. I want to know from you, like when he says the current era of movies are the worst ever, do you believe with Clinton Tarantino on that notion? So I I do agree mm-hmm. uh, only because we are in an era of a never ending, a never ending consumption of content. Yes. And <laughs> I can't keep up. <laughs> it, there's, there's no keeping up. Uh, yeah. You know, just, just so let's a few years ago uh, we had uh, you know, you would have a movie that's pre Marvel. Let's say pre Marvel, you know, you had, 10 blockbusters a year so like one a month not even one a month right now you have multiple blockbusters a month and you're overshadowing all of the indie films that come out and on top of all of that you also have net, uh, um sorry streaming a, stre- a streaming service platform uh mm-hmm. content weekly uh all of these ips are constantly coming out uh, week to week. Uh, so on an, any given week now, you have a movie in theaters on Friday, probably one to two. Then you have more of a indie limited release film, right? That never gets talked about. Uh, also, 
on, you know, on the Thursday or Friday. So you have at least two to three movies coming out every single week, one of them being a blockbuster of some sort. Then you have content coming out on Disney Plus on Wednesday, content coming out on HBO Max on Sunday, content coming out on Netflix on Thursdays and Fridays, mm -hmm. every single, almost every single day of the week. Uh, that's, that's not even counting digital cable uh, content if you watch like, you know, uh, a, a digital cable show like a you know cop show or NCIS or Grey's Anatomy, right? Yeah, no, that stuff, sure. right. That's yeah. not even counting any of that. No. The scripted television shows. That's just like Netflix movie, Disney Plus movie, HBO Max TV show. Like, there's so much content now, and you watch a show, you consume it, and you watch the next thing, and you don't even have enough time to process it. And uh, you know, as a film critic now, it's it's over. It's so overwhelming that. You have to watch a you watch a movie and you have to immediately like start writing stuff down and because you have to immediately jump to the next uh you know piece of content uh, and if you consume too much content before writing those reviews now you're you don't even know where you are and uh, everything gets discombobulated together so it's very important as a film critic to uh, make your notes and write your critique without consuming any other content because everything gets just lost. Yeah, man. It, with the litany of content, um, I, I don't know if it's just maybe because I'm a creator myself now. So I just want to do my own thing in my mind somewhere else half the time. But when I do have the time to sit down, a lot of the times I'm watching a show based on word of mouth because that's very powerful, uh, something that's popular um, or the IP itself, you know, the intellectual property that I identify with, like The Last of Us I've been uh, watching quite recently. Um, you know, it's just to pick up a show, everyone's like, yo, you got to watch Ozark. And I'm sure I do, you know what I mean? But it's like to the inclination to watch it. It's just not there for some reason, like um, on a number of things. But like you said, there's just such a myriad of uh, different works out there that how do you distinguish? Like, how do you stand out? Um, that's something that I really um, contemplate as an artist. You know, I kind of wrestle with is, when I make my films and, you know, have them released and distributed, I guess it comes back to, you know, Gary Vee, someone we both admire, like he says the market will decide. Um, and that's how I kind of suppress that, <laughs> that, that, that worry, because it's the reality, man. It's like, you, no matter how much you market it, distribute it, the market will tell you if it's good, you know, like a perfect yeah. example is, um, you know, you're giving a uh, example with everything everywhere all at once. You didn't know how big it was going to be. Well, you hope to be that big uh, based on your first watch. For me, it was John Wick. You know, when I worked at Entertainment One, you know, uh, that was a sleeper hit. And I was like, yo, this is going to be huge, but didn't have the budget to market it, um, didn't have the reach. Um, so it was huge for Lionsgate, a huge uh, asset um, for their for their line of movies being released. They had no idea where it was going to take them. They're at movie number four now coming this year. Yeah. So it's just like, that's what I mean is you could do all the, all the power in the world you want, right? Like Valerian was a project I worked on. We spent a shit ton of money millions of dollars right no one's ever heard of it ever again right it was released didn't last a month got pulled from theaters but they spent all the money in the world on it market will decide ultimately on its uh success so yeah i think that's something that we kind of just have to accept um with this you know numerous uh selection of content uh it really just comes down to uh what our tastes are you know um what what we enjoy uh how strong the ip is too right like squid game 2 like is that going to be good <laughs> who knows let's hope it is right um but yeah uh i love that um your perception on that um you know uh, there's not a negative view it's kind of like take it as it as you will like if, if there's something you enjoy watch it 
Um, but I, I like that you said it doesn't really compromise the industry or anything like that. For me, I, I think it's just a matter of um, that's what quality is. Um, if everything was quality, then the word wouldn't exist. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things that come out that surprise people like the Batman I'll bring up. Yeah. Uh, when I had no hope for that, I said, why are we doing another Batman? And you watch it and you're just like, wow, that's like an auteur. That's like someone that came in and said, this is the vision for Batman. Don't talk to me, studio. Let me do my thing. And amazing, right? It just shows you. Now, it doesn't always work, right? Like that, like, uh, what was it? Schumacher that did, uh, Joel Schumacher that sh that did Batman and Robin, right? It doesn't always work that way if you give it that's right. all, the, the entire, right? The entire uh, yeah. responsibility. But what I'm saying, when it hits, it hits. And that's what I'm saying is what I'm counting on for myself. It's like when it's when it hits, it's going to hit, um, especially if I know what I'm doing. So that's awesome, man. And as artists um, who continue their craft to advance at their craft. Um, sorry, I'll repeat that again. <laughs> as artists continue to advance at their craft and use the progress to elevate their careers. Uh, we often struggle with the notion of what's next. You know what I mean? And do you notice there are frequent times when you're when you're wondering uh, when you'll obtain your next creative inspiration or retrieve? a certain level of success, of success in your career? No, no. Uh, okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> no, um, I mentioned earlier that uh, I kind of just go with the flow for the most part. And um, I do find that I, I wouldn't even say opportunity is given to me right. uh, because I, I am hungry and I do go out there and I do search for it. Yes. Uh, I do search for opportunity, but I also create opportunity. Um, I look for areas, especially, you know, locally uh, in, in the art scene. And I almost, I've created my own uh, uh, areas of improvement for the art scene and areas yes. that I think that they could improve in terms of like artistic exposure. So um, I'm, constantly growing and adapting uh and i also as go go with the flow in most cases right and i allow opportunity to come my way because i put myself out there mm -hmm. um so again like a like a filmmaker waiting for a phone call uh you know uh, or putting a film out there or 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 submitting a film to a production company and waiting for that call uh, yeah. for most cases, that's, 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 that's how my, um, creative route uh, is, but I have also created opportunity for myself. So, yes. um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. The law of attraction, man. That's amazing. What it is, is you pursued what was nearest and dearest to your heart was something I was discussing at the beginning of the podcast and everything around you, your environment, um, the people you work with, they attra are attracted to that, right? The universe, uh, I believe in that will find you. And, um, bring you those opportunities. That's what's worked for me, right? Like, as you know, uh, give some background context to Stefano and I've known each other a while back. Um, one of my first jobs, you know, I, I worked with, uh, Stefano and, um, I believe I was talking to you. I don't know if I was as open and, um, passionate about film with you, but, uh, I remember brushing on the subject a few times, um, but I was never in it like I am now. And ever since I invested myself fully, and stopped playing games and dabbled with it and just really committed myself to the, to the craft. Um, the world's really opened up to me and I've met remarkable people from all different facets of the in industry because I'm trying to build this multimedia empire. And um, I'm really grateful, truly. Like it's, it's been a ride. It's, it's been tough. There's been a lot of like letdowns <laughs> as much as there's been uh, positives, but uh, that's the nature of the business as someone like yourself would tell me. 
Um, and I just kind of, kind of got to keep with it. Uh, remember why I started. Um, I think that's a lot of artists. Exactly. What they need to, yeah. yeah. A lot of artists need to go back to that. Um, and that's with anything um, that you do, right? Like going to the gym or like this podcast, for instance, um, you always have to go back to why did you do it in the first place? And if it's on, based on vanity or, you know, superficial, um, you know, aspects, then you need to drop it immediately. But if it's something that's near and dear to your heart and then keep going, cause it'll fulfill you. That's a big thing that I've been seeking, right. Is fulfillment. Too many of us just feel satisfied. And it's like, I want to do something where it's like, I'm damn proud of myself. Like I paved my way. I did my thing and I feel, you know, a sense of fulfillment. I feel like I've conquered, um, even if it didn't maybe pan out the way I wanted to, at least I said, I, I tried for it. Right. I did for it. Cause too many of us will often be told, you know, Hey, like, <laughs> Did you at least try, right? So I can probably say, like, you know, I I went for it, um, and I continue to go for it. So I'm really happy. Like we we kind of share same same uh, mindset on that. Um, yeah. For yeah. me, yeah. For me, like, what's next is uh, I, I that's just me because maybe I'm impatient, but um, I'm just curious, like, what's next for me? I'm always like thinking about the next project while I'm working on the current project. <laughs> but uh, I like your approach. Uh, I'm gonna learn from that. You know, one just kind of, one like, thought process time. that I have. Yes uh, in all, all aspects of my business. Right. Is, uh, I'm very, I'm very much so a firm believer of if you don't ask, nothing will ever be presented to you or you'll never, you won't get what you don't ask for. And, uh, I will get at least one thing if I send at least 10 emails. Yes. Yeah. If I don't send any of those emails, I'm not getting a damn thing. And a no response is better than nothing at all, right? Like some people are, are yeah. feel rejected by the idea of no, but it's like, hey, they read your email. They saw it. They know your name. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, so, and maybe, maybe not this time, but maybe Maybe not time. this time, but but that's a big thing. Uh, I'll discuss with you off the podcast, but that's a big thing. Like, you know, putting your name in the system, as they say, like, you know, putting your name out there. Now they know who Stefano Bove is or Daniel Calderon is. And that's a huge uh, advantage compared to, the next person who doesn't even submit or doesn't even have that connection to that person. Right. So it's all about perception, right? Like understanding where you are being grateful for that. Um, and yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely owe it to you. Uh, you've been, uh, nothing but uh, generous, uh, in extending, uh, any help that you can give me, um, of course. As, as someone at my level. Right. Um, and, and I look forward to, to, you know, providing you and, and sending you more of my work, um, and, and seeing more of your work as well. So I really appreciate you uh, taking this time to return to the podcast and discuss uh, and update us on every, everything exciting you've been doing. I'm, I'm happy to be back on. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a great time. It's always a great time with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stefan. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, no thank problem. you, everybody thank you, else. Yeah. Thank you, everybody else for listening. And we'll talk soon.